In Alabama Ag and Review for the week of August 9th, we'll start off with an update on disaster funds. Well, the White House has pledged to provide $1.5 billion in disaster assistance for farmers administratively, a promise made to Senate Ag Chair Blanche Lincoln, who removed the Ag Aid provision from the small business bill the Senate considered late last month. And Chairman Lincoln has recently checked in with the White House to find out how it intends to fund the package for 2009 crop losses. There's a couple of different sections that USDA can do interagency transfers and uh, get those resources out um, in disaster situations or anything else. So there's absolutely the vehicle and the opportunity to do that. Um, I've got a commitment from them and we're working on making it happen. And Farm Service Agency Administrator Jonathan Coppas says that Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack has directed his agency to come up with a process for delivering the payments. We've been discussing, you know, the whole host of how does it work, how would it work if we were to do it, what things do we have in place, do we need to reinvent wheels or can we use what we've got in, in existence if in fact it goes through FSA and through uh, our processes. But uh, the real issue in this is we're, I don't think everything's been hammered out. We're still kind of negotiating how we do this and so um, we're trying to get our ducks in, in a row in case we are called upon to do it and, and obviously we figure we're probably the most likely source. And while there is some aid for livestock and produce growers, the bulk of the disaster spending would result from an additional one-time payment to producers of corn, cotton, rice, soybeans, and wheat in disaster-approved counties, equal to 90 percent of their 2009 direct payments. And as we continue to suffer through the heat, Randall Wiseman has this report. Well, according to the weekly Crop Progress and Condition Report put out by the National Agriculture Statistics Service of Alabama, while signs of stress have been seen in some crops in the state due to the high temperatures, pastures and even the hay crop is also being affected in some areas. It was noted that in Morgan County, some producers had to supplement feed and hay due to the poor conditions of the pastures. A report from Talladega County mentioned forages in portions of the region received beneficial rains over the past week, while other areas of the region received little rainfall and pastures were almost non-existent. Fall armyworms are becoming more widespread and wreaking havoc on short supplies of forage. In Hale County, farmers had to cut the second crop of hay early, therefore yields were low. There are various other reports where producers had to put out feed due to poor pasture conditions. As we wrap up for this week, we hear from Everett Griner regarding the structure of commodity pricing. Manufacturer builds a car, delivers it to the dealer, and sets the price you pay. You can go to Walmart for a pair of tennis shoes. The manufacturer sets the price you ultimately pay. Everything else you buy, the producer determines the value and sets the price that you pay. Everything except the food you eat. A farmer plants it, a farmer cultivates it, a farmer harvests it and sells it with no input into its price. Well, somebody else sets the price. A group of farmers in California are going to try to change that, but it won't work. They can't regulate the Chicago Board of Trade. They can't influence the Commodity Exchange Commission. The crop has to be put in somebody else's hands before a price can be set. Over a million farmers in this country, and every single one of them an independent businessman. That's the main reason that somebody else will forever set the price of what a farmer produces. And remember, you can find these stories along with all the week's Southeast Agnet reports on our website at southeastagnet.com. I'm Julie McPeak with Southeast Agnet's podcast.